You may be seated. You already knew that, didn't you? Genesis chapter 11, as we read that earlier, you're probably immediately thinking, oh, I know this, I know this account, right? The Tower, the Tower of Babel. And as we look at Genesis chapter 11, what we see is we see man's uh, attempt once again to, to go against what God had commanded, what God had told them to do. And we see uh, one of the initial stages of the push for a uh, governmental control and globalization. And in our study this week, if you've looked into it, uh, hopefully you have, you, you see that this week we are looking at globalism or the one, the push for the one world government. And if we look around the world today, you don't have to look very far to see the push for a global governing body. Now, in the last couple of years, uh, due to COVID, we've really seen this intensified, um, that because of the pandemic, we, we need to have a, a global group monitoring the wellness of everyone and monitoring what is going on and making sure everyone is doing what they are supposed to be doing, making sure that no one is putting anyone else in danger. And what we need is a global governing body. And truly, if you see our response worldwide to COVID, there has been some variation in different countries. But in the response to, to COVID, we, we've, seen, uh, we've seen more and more control taken by governments around the world. Um, and people willingly surrender their freedoms to be under government control. So what we, we see in happening now in our lifetime is we see control given to governments, to those political leaders. We see them uh, really reaching and grabbing for any power that they can grab. Uh, and if you, if you don't see this by looking at our world today, um, then you're looking at things a little bit differently than, than I am seeing them, um, and many others are seeing them. But we, we see a push to not only take over more control, but we've seen a push here in the last two years for getting rid of law and getting rid of authority. We've seen pushes for we need to get rid of law enforcement because the ones enforcing the laws that are in place must, must be the bad guys. Because they're trying to enforce the law. So we've seen many pushes. And in Genesis chapter 11, we saw man's rebellion and push against God. And even now today, we see in our world the push for a one world government or a global governing body. Um, many of you have, have heard of the Great Reset and initially, when uh, it was talked about the Great Reset, there were some that, oh, this is, this is kind of conspiracy-ish, 
you know, they're not really trying to reset things as we know it. But if you look at now, if you look at what a lot of them by the the leaders of of those pushing this, um, they have spelled out pretty clearly what they would like to see accomplished. And I, I don't want to take a lot of time on this today because this is not the intention of our time together this morning is to talk about everything that's going on in the world and, and what they're trying to do. And our, our goal today is not to, uh, to tell you how our world is on fire and get everybody in, up in arms. The goal is to show you humankind, mankind's heart condition has not changed from the very beginning. And God's plan has not been altered in any way. So we can take comfort in that. But I wanted to just share with you the World Economic Forum. Uh, They said by 2030, we think we will see, and they just mentioned eight things. And I just want to share these just so you get an idea of of what what they're trying to do. They said by 2030, and this goes with last week what we heard, People won't own own things. You won't own anything, and you will be happy not to own anything. Now, initially you hear that and you think, I don't know, sometimes owning stuff can be a pain, can't it? I'm not pushing for not owning things, but you see why, they're, why they get people to come to this side. So you won't have a car, you won't have a house, and you won't have to worry about it. You will just rent it, and, and they will take control of everything else. So by 2030, that's not that far away, they're saying... You won't own anything. Um, there will be a global price on carbon that if you are emitting CO2 that you will be paying, you will pay your fair share for what you are doing to the environment. Uh, the third thing, U.S. dominance is over. Uh, they said we will have a handful of global powers that will be all working together um, and it will not be, the U.S. will not be the uh the world police, so to speak. The, the U.S. will not be the superpower anymore. And we see that happening, that push, even in our own country. Some of our leaders are, are trying to push our country that direction. Um, they said you can, uh, the way that we see hospitals will, will be utterly changed by 2030. They said technology will have further disrupted disease. Um, the hospital, as we know it, will be on its way out with fewer accidents, thanks to self-driving cars um, and other preventative measures. And you will not need organ donors because we, at that point, we should be able to uh, bioprint organs. Uh, you will be eating much less meat. Anybody here excited about the sound of that? You'll be much less, uh, instead it will be more of a treat than it will be a staple in your diet because it is not good for our environment to be eating so much meat. Um, we will also, there will be a push to um, make countries more acceptable to refugees. The values that built the West will have been tested to the breaking point and uh, pretty much done away with. And by 2030, um, they said we'll be ready to move uh people to move to to mars and start start living there now some of those things you look at and you're like okay those are kind of crazy which which they are but i i share those with you this morning to say in genesis chapter 11 
We see God's plan in Genesis 9 and verse 1. It says, God blessed Noah and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So we see the command that God gave to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. He did not say be fruitful, multiply and then build great cities, stick together. No, God's plan was that they would multiply and fill the earth and be spread out. But in Genesis chapter 11, we see uh, that they are, they are not doing what God commanded them to do. And we will get into that more. So God's plan for them was that they multiply and fill the earth. God's plan for Adam and Eve from the very beginning was that they follow his plan. And in so doing, they would have the best life possible. We, we can't even imagine living in a perfect environment, in a perfect garden, enjoying God's presence of walking with us. But God's plan for Adam and Eve from the very beginning was for them to enjoy God and the beauty of his creation and to enjoy and, and benefit from the best life possible. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. We see, as I mentioned, a global, a push for global control and a global governing body. And truly, we are moving in, in that direction, um, which, which we can look as, is part of God's ultimate plan. But in Acts 17, uh, you will hear people talk of, well, we shouldn't, countries shouldn't have borders, countries shouldn't, as a country, we should... We should welcome anybody that wants to come in, and we should, not, we should not have a closed border. In Acts chapter 17 and in verse 26, it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. So God, God designed one, one nation, one, one group of people to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times. God has determined their pre-appointed times. And the boundaries of their dwelling. So God is the one that designed countries and boundaries. This was not something that was invented or created by man to determine. God is the one who said, I have predetermined, here are your, your boundaries or your dwellings. He even gave uh, very detailed uh, plans to the children of Israel of this will be your, your area that you have. So God is the one that designed nations and borders, and it's good for us to remember that God's way is always best. The way that God designed things, the way that God desires us to live is always best. So if we look at Genesis chapter 11, we see, first of all, one of the things that stands out is, had we not rebelled against God, we would still have one language. Now, how many, uh, how many of you have traveled to another country where they speak a language other than, than English. Okay, quite a few. Even sometimes you go other places and they might speak English, but it seems like a different language. Now, having different languages is very confusing. It's very complicated. And, and you, find, you, you try to find other ways of getting your message across, uh, using expressions and trying to point at stuff. 
And I think one of the most humbling things is, is when you go to another country and a, a little comes, kid comes up to you and just starts talking to you really fast and then looks at you like, what, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you answering me? And they say it again and, and you look at them like, I have no idea what you're saying. If you've been in another country, you, you understand that, that feeling of, of that humbling. And had we followed God's plan, there would be one language. And can you imagine the, the freedom of being able to travel and share the gospel with people without the uh, challenge of a different language? So what we see is God's plan is always best. But then in Genesis chapter 11, we see man's rebellion. Man's rebellion. So it says in verse 3, they said, let us come and bake bricks. Let us bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, not for God. They weren't worried about his name. And then look what, look what it says in verse 4, at the end of verse 4 lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So God's command, God's plan for them was for them to fill the earth. Mankind instead says, you know, I don't like this plan. I kind of like having everybody close by. I kind of like the idea of, of being in one place. I don't think God knows what he's talking about. And man's rebellion to go against God's plan and God's design. And, you know, that has not changed for us today. There is always that constant drive or that constant push to go against God's design. We see this in our world as we see God's design for the family and man's rebellion of, no, God's design for the family is not for one man and one woman to be married, joined together in marriage and live together for life. No, God's design. No, that that is so old. God didn't know what he was talking about. Now. Marriage can be whatever you want it to be, and you don't even need to be married. Just whatever you want to do is fine. God's design, no, we don't need that. God's design for government or God's design for school or even God's design uh, for animals. We see more and more people worshiping practically animals, working the create, worshiping the creation more than the creator. So this, the... The heart of man is the same today as it was in Genesis chapter 11 in man saying, no, we are going to build a city lest we be scattered. I know God said to fill the earth, but we are going to build a city so that God cannot scatter us. And we as a nation have rebelled against God. We have said, we do not want to do things according to your plan, but we we think that we can do it better. We think that we can do it better. In 1972, Francis Schaeffer uh, wrote about our society, and he recognized that America was departing from the Christian foundation it was built upon. He saw what was happening over in Europe, and we've seen where Europe has continued to go since that point, and he knew America was headed down the same path. We removed God from the public sphere, and therefore lawlessness would follow, he wrote. Without transcendent, a transcendent source for meaning, without a God and law, society would move either into anarchy or authoritarianism, such as Marxism. And 
That was back in 1972 he wrote that. And he said, without a God-centered moral foundation, society would crumble. And what we see is moving more and more toward lawlessness. Lawlessness, uh, think, of, think of all of the rioting and the different things in the streets and nothing seeming to be done from it. Them to allow lawlessness to continue to, to grow. We as a country have decided that we don't need God. Um, as, as one person said, God is a perfect gentleman. He will not stay where he is not welcome. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, if any of you, he said this to some young students. He said, if any among you think that you can accomplish anything apart from God, all you will get from him is the opportunity to try. How many times in our lives have we thought we can accomplish what we need to. I can handle this day apart from God. And we may not say it, but by our actions, that is the way that we are living our life. And God many times gives us the opportunity to go ahead and try. The image I have that comes to mind is a small child when they reach that point where they think they can do anything and everything on their own, right? And as a parent, Unless you're in a hurry and you're on your way to church and you're like, we need to get in the car. You allow them to try. And they sit there and they try with it. And sometimes they get it figured out and do okay. Other times, maybe they're trying to learn to tie their, their shoes. And you look down and it's just a big ball down there. And how many times as a parent then has your, your child come back to you and, okay, can you help me with this? You know, They may not say that word and they may, they may just bring it to you and just kind of hold it out and you know they want your help and we do that with god so many times god i i i can do this on my own and we make a a big mess of things and we have that big knot that big ball of shoelaces and we're too proud to come to god and say god i'm sorry i shouldn't have done this on my own we just kind of sheepishly here will you will you help me with this and god in his love does help us with it so Many times in our own rebellion, we push away from God's, we push away from God's plan. And within every one of us is a rebellious attitude. Now, you may hear that and even I myself am like, I don't think I'm that, I I don't think my heart is that rebellious. But how many times as we just talk, do we do things without seeking God's counsel? How many times do we try to do things on our own? Or how many times do we respond in in anger or rebellion? Or how many times do we say, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but I don't I don't know if that can be right. I'm going to do this. Or I know I know God wants me to be tithing, for instance. But man, I just We just don't have the money to tithe right now. And I know that's a good principle. And I know God put that in his word for a reason. But we just don't. Maybe when we get the money, I'll I'll start tithing instead of obedience right away. So we all have a rebellious attitude in us. We want to do things on our own and in our own time. And uh, we all get tired of waiting patiently on God for him to work, don't we? Well, maybe maybe I need to help move things along a little bit. And we all have that rebellious attitude. 
And rebellion and pride always brings God's judgment. So here in Genesis chapter 11, they said, we're going to we're going to build a city lest we be scattered out. And verse five, then it says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now, my my uh, mental picture that I have here is here you have all of the people gathering together to build the city. God saw what they were doing. It's not like, oh, I better go check out, see how their work is coming along, see what the see what the people down on earth are. My picture I have is almost as little kids building a little Lego Lego fort. Here they are putting their bricks together and we're going to build this so that nothing can separate us. And it says, and God came down to see the city and the tower that they had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their languages. So God said, here they are, one people, one language. And this is what this is what they are doing. They are building a city so that they won't be obedient and will be won't be scattered out. And God says, I'm going to come and bring a little bit of confusion to to this city that they thought in their own pride that they were they were doing a great thing. And it says God confused their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. So because of their pride, it brought major changes in what was happening in that day. And that's I don't know if there's going to be videos in heaven or not. I I have a feeling once we get to heaven, we probably won't care about some of those things. But wouldn't that be a great video to watch of here they are working, building the city, and then all of a sudden they're speaking different languages. They can't understand one another. And I just think that would be a fascinating a fascinating video to see up in up in heaven. But because of their rebellion, it brought God's judgment and God confused their languages. In Proverbs 15 and verse 25, it said, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. And in James 4, 6, it talks that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we ask the question, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? So Throughout history, we've seen mankind's rebellion against God of at the Tower of Babel. We're not going to be scattered. We're not going to be obedient. And many times our same uh, disobedience to God. Where do we go from here? First and foremost, we need to repent. We need to repent. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 and verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As we see the push toward a one world government, we ought to be thinking, how close is the Lord's return? And in thinking that, it could, should cause us to say, am I, am I ready for the Lord's return? First and foremost, have I called upon the name of the Lord for salvation? Have I, have I seen my own sinfulness and called on the name of the Lord for salvation? First John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I hope and pray that everyone here today 
knows Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The most important decision that you will ever make in life of what you have done with Jesus Christ. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And even in that verse, we see mankind's rebellion. It's pretty clear. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to have a relationship with the Father is through Jesus Christ. But if you look at all of the different religions in the world today, they are attempts by mankind to say, I am going to find another way to heaven or to the Father. And it's mankind's rebellion. It's very clear. Jesus is the only way to the Father. So repent, confess our sin and repent, but repent from, if we know Christ is our Lord and Savior, repent from our own rebellious attitude of doing things in our own power. So repent and turn to him. Repentance I heard a long time ago, and, and you have probably heard it is, repentance is turning of walking in my own way to walk in God's way. So it's complete surrender. It's saying, my way is not the best. I am surrendering to your will and to your way. So surrendering to, to the cross, surrendering at the foot of the cross to God's will for our life. In Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14, it says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and this is the part I want you to look, and turn from their wicked way. Right there is repentance. God wants us to have a repentant heart. So our response, what should we do? Our response should be to repent, but then our response should also be to show genuine love. In the time that God gives us and in the push for global control, we can make a difference by showing genuine love. John 13 and verse 5, it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, generally, how do people know that we are a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, many times, there, if you were asked, uh, what, what comes to mind when you think of Christians? Sadly, many times, the first word that will come out of people's mouths is hypocrite, right? I've, I've heard that in talking to people. Oh, Christians are a bunch of hip- hypocrites, which I think every person on, on earth is a hypocrite. We, none of us live up to what we, we say we will do. But John 13 says... People should know that we are followers of Jesus Christ because of the love that we have for one another. So love is doing what is best for the individual that's loved. So that Jesus, because he loved you and I, what was best for us? God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. He saw what our greatest need was and he loved us enough to come and die on the cross. So are we showing genuine love, first of all, to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but then are we showing genuine love to our neighbors? Mark 12, 31, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. So am I taking extra effort to show love to our neighbors? But then we ought to also not only be showing genuine love, but grant forgiveness. Grant forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So if you want to know how you are to grant forgiveness, 
Look at the example of how have you received forgiveness from God? How have you received forgiveness from God? Was he waiting to see how your actions would play out? Well, I want to make sure that they are sincere. No. Has he wait, did he wait for you to earn that forgiveness? No, none of us could ever earn the forgiveness of God. As we have received that forgiveness, he said, grant or be generous in giving forgiveness to others. But then our response of where we go from here, we ought to be taking a stand for truth. We ought to be fighting against all of the evil plans of Satan, meaning we ought to be speaking the truth clearly for all to hear. So in loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor means speaking the truth to them, warning them of, hey, these these plans, these ideas, these uh, things that are being pushed by the world are not what is true and what is right. We ought to take a stand firmly on the word of God. And that's why we love supporting groups like the Alpha Women's Center, because they are standing on the front lines of standing for what is true, that God is the giver of life and that all life is precious. And they said, because of that, we are going to stand on the front lines. And that's why we support groups like that. So in what areas do you need to take a stand for truth? In Psalm 119 and verse 11, it says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So take a stand for truth, but then we need to be a light to the world. We need to be a light to the world. So just like the command that they were given in Genesis chapter 9 to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, so we also have been given a command that we are to be fruitful and to fill the earth and that we are to be taking the good news of salvation to all people. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So we are given a command. They were given a command in Genesis chapter nine, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We are given a command to go and preach the gospel to every creature in the earth. So maybe God is not calling you to go to a foreign country and preach the gospel. But maybe God is calling you to go to a foreign workplace and preach the gospel. Right? One maybe that is not uh, very receptive to, to the good news of salvation. God wants you to be a light where he has planted you. He wants you to be a light to the world. So are you being obedient to this command that God has given us? Or are we saying, no, we are going to be like at the Tower of Babel and, and we'll gather together at church and we'll, we'll worship God together at church and we'll be happy here while we're worshiping God. But once we get out, no, I don't want to go out there. It's kind of, it's kind of a scary place. People don't like it when I talk to them about Jesus. No, are we being obedient to the command that God gave us that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. God has brought different people into each of our lives that we might be a light to them. And God is not asking us to go and to save these people. Jesus already did the work of salvation on the cross. God is calling us to plant the seeds. God is calling us to plant the seeds. 
as we see this push for a one world government and global control, it should not fill us with fear because we know how things are going to end. But what it ought to do is it ought to help urge us to get busy. I think of many times growing up that in the springtime, you know, the garden was tilled and not everything had been planted yet, you know, and we get one of those storms rolling in where you see the the dark clouds coming and my mom would come in yelling, we got to get such and such planted before that storm comes. And it's kind of like all hands on deck. We need everybody outside because the storm is coming and we want to get these seeds in the ground because who knows how long the, the ground will be muddy from this point on out. So everybody runs out because there was an urgency about the time. A storm was rolling in and we needed to get these seeds in the ground. We ought to, as believers today, as we look at what is happening in our world and in our culture, we ought to be saying we got to get as many seeds planted as we possibly can. Whether it's using those little cards in the back or whatever means necessary, we need to be busy planting the seeds of the gospel and God will give the increase. But then lastly, I just wanted to mention, like every other time in history, remember today that God comes out victorious. On Wednesday night in our prayer time, we were talking and somebody mentioned that growing up that their mom would tell them, remember, remember whose you are or remember who who you are, meaning you better live up to the family name. And today I want us to remember, remember whose you are today. You are a child of the Most High God, and he has given us commands. And remember today that we are victorious, that God has already won the victory. We don't need to be fearful of the push for this global. God is in control. He has always been in control. He was in control in Genesis chapter 11. Today, we need to rest in that victory and live in obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's easy to look at Genesis chapter 11 and to think and to criticize the people then and and how could they have done that against God and what a foolish idea that was. Lord, so many times I am guilty of the same foolishness of trying to do things on my own, of not being obedient to the commands that you have given me. And Lord, today I pray that you would help fill us with urgency, that we would see the global push that is around us, and that you would fill us with an urgency uh, to be busy doing your will. Lord, I pray that you would, within each of us, that you would fill us with a, a passion for, for the lost, and I just ask that you would guide us uh, to that you would bring people in our path, that we might be a light to them. Lord, thank you for your work in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true. And I pray that you would continue to guide and direct. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together. I just want